Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm gonna switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge, surge. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Hey, welcome back to the Wide Right Podcast. I'm Manny Navarro, beat writer for the Miami Hurricanes at The Athletic. If you've been reading some of our content of late online at theathletic.com, you'll see that I have a story or a series of stories actually coming out on the 2021 recruiting class. I interviewed two local recruiting legends, guys that uh, work hand in hand with colleges and provide their uh, information and expertise um, Charles Fishbein and Larry Bluestein, and I wanted to share an interview, about an hour-long interview that I did with Charles Fishbein, who, as I mentioned before, works for Elite Scouting Services. He uh, provides game film, shoots game films of all the high school games here in South Florida. He's had that contract now for several years, and then he actually meets with college coaches around the country um, and, and sells his evaluations and helps them in, in the scouting of these actual players. Uh, so he's got some great opinions. They're not sort of shaded by how many offers a kid has. He just straight up looks at a player, evaluates them based on their ability and their talents. And so I thought it would be really good for him to come on and talk about the Miami 2021 recruiting class, not just the guys that they have committed, but also um, the guys who are uh, targets that could be committing here in the very new uh, near future. Um, I know Miami's obviously interested in uh, some local players in South Florida. Charles is, is based here out of South Florida. He's lived here, went to high school here. So anyway, check out the interview, and uh, hopefully you, you like it. All right, uh, so we're going to bring on a friend of mine who I've known for many years now, Charles Fishbein of Elite Scouting Services. He's uh, definitely the most connected guy I know in terms of college football. He, he not only films the high school football games here in South Florida between Dade and Broward County, but he knows the college coaches all over the country because his uh, his service, Elite Scouting Services, he provides information uh, to these schools when they're looking for players, not just the film. So he's got relationships with coaches all over the country. And really, when he sees a, a good football player or a guy who could become a great football player, he knows his stuff. And so I wanted to bring him on here to talk about the University of Miami 2021 recruiting class because right now they've got 16 commitments. It's the 11th ranked class in the country, according to 247 Sports. But Charles evaluated evaluates guys from a different perspective. He doesn't work for one of these recruiting services. He gives his honest opinion and, and where a kid is being recruited really doesn't matter to him. It's not about what colleges have offered him. It's really more about how good the player. I appreciate his opinion. Charles, first off, can you tell people a little bit about yourself, how you got into this whole thing, man, and how long you've been involved with, with high school football and college football in general? Yeah, it's crazy. I actually used to do NFL draft style books. Um, I, I used to hand them to, uh, guys at WQAM, I would sell them at local, uh, you know, newsstands. And, and one day one of my friends is like, you know, you know, I really think that if you took this idea and turn it into a high school recruiting magazine, I think the colleges would uh, buy it from you. So I went and I met some college coaches, sat down with them. And at the time there was a, uh, there was a, another guy that had a recruiting service down here and the, the guy was no longer in the business. And this college coach goes, if you could create this same style book for us, uh, we'll buy your service. So I kind of 
thumbed through it. There was ideas I took from that book, but I incorporated some of my own ideas into that book. And uh, it came down to, I got, you know, when the college coaches would come down during spring football, I would get there. Back then you had head coaches like Greg Shiano would come down. Back then head coaches were allowed to recruit down here. So in the spring, I'd meet head coaches and assistant coaches. They would come down, I'd get their business cards and I'd email them or, or text them hey, check out this kid, that kid. And that's how it all started. And one of the craziest things was I worked, I got, I ended up with this job with a a company called MSL Sports. And at the time there was a guy, Chuck Muncie, who played in the NFL that was working with them. So he was holding, they had combines back then. So they had a meeting, which I set up with Lane Kiffin at the time, who was at USC. I had met him at one of the Tampa Scout Combines. They used to be able to come down and watch the Scout Combines. I set up the meeting, and in that book, uh, Coach Carroll was asking um, Chuck Muncie and one of the guys that I sent out there for the meeting. I couldn't get out there in time. Hey, do you know this guy, Armando Allen? And they opened up the book, and Armando Allen was the first player in the book, and Coach P. Carroll read my evaluation. He goes, hey, listen, uh, we're going to buy this Florida book, but if you could do this in other states, uh, we'll buy those other states as well. So that's how it all started. And uh, so right after that, the company ended up hiring like two or three other scouts, one guy in Texas. And after a few years, I went off on my own and and started my own uh, recruiting service, Elite Scouting Services. And now it's been about 15 years that I've been in this business. Time flies. And where'd you grow up? It was down here in South Florida, right? Yeah, I went to Miami Palmetto senior high school. I, I didn't know Jeff Bezos. I wish I did. He went to Miami Palmetto too. He'd be a billionaire right now. Uh, hey, I would have been his best friend, man. I would have said, listen, man, I need I need an investor in my company. I would have had it. It's funny. You, you find out there's always people that go to different schools, but he's, I think, the uh, greatest alumni alum to come out of uh, Miami Palmetto as far as, you know, being famous and wealthy and stuff. So Yeah, him and Kimbo Slice are probably uh, two of the more famous. Uh, yeah. Kimbo people. Slice, I I actually went to school with and uh, I remember when he played football he wasn't very good uh, but he was a big dude I, I never would mess with him in high school I think his name was Kevin something uh, but he, he didn't have the name Kimbo Slice but I was like there's no way I, I honestly I ran the other way in the hallway you know so Palmetto's got such a tremendous football team this year and it's funny I, I, you know you and I have, have crossed paths so many times with the high schools and let's be honest I mean they were never as good as Southridge or South Dade or any of these other teams that were that won state championships down south but this little group that they had those five kids that are that are part of that senior class that are all like four and five star kids and this is especially year as palmetto's ever had right yeah i mean last year i really thought palmetto had a shot at winning state when i went to palmetto they'd have one player i i, I remember you know Corey collier's uh son is playing and he's one of those top recruits now i remember he came a couple years after me uh, we, there was a kid, Solomon Moore, who his dad, Wayne Moore, played for the Dolphins. Uh, he ended up going to university in Miami uh, and playing there. But they never had this many type of players. I, when I went to Palmetto, we'd always beat Coral Park and Sunset in the first two games. And then here would come that Southridge game. And, you know, they weren't 2-0 anymore. I'll just leave it at that. It was, it, we got real excited till that Southridge game came. And, 
you know, you've seen Killian win. You know, Killian, at, when I was in high school, we did very well against Killian. The football team always either beat them or the games were close. But Killian ended up winning a state title. And you look at what Southridge has done, South Dade. All the teams down there have won. And it's, pro, you know, they've got a team that Mike Benasco's got a team that's loaded with talent. This may be his best team. Uh, last year, a lot of times you think that, you know, one year they come up short. Uh, that team probably needed to learn how to win in the playoffs. And hopefully for their sake, they pull it off this year. Yeah, special team, a lot of great players there. Uh, Jason Marshall, you mentioned Collier. Miami's got a commitment right now from Savion Collins, one of their de- star defensive tackles. He's a four-star kid. Um, they're also going after receiver Brashard Smith. And, of course, Leonard Taylor is is another guy that they're, that they're in on. But I think most Miami fans were hoping that, you know, the Hurricanes would somehow build these great relationships early with, the, with that group and sort of pull what they did at Miami Northwestern when they got those seven guys off of the national championship team. But it's hard. I mean, when, when you go six and seven and seven and six, you know, a lot of those kids, they, they've seen Miami lose to FIU. Leonard Taylor himself told me, hey, man, like they lost FIU. Like they're just not, they're not a factor. But the coaches, you have to give Miami's coaches credit. They've managed to at least stay in, in the fight for, for the kids in, in, in regards uh, to those guys. My first question to you, Charles, just as an evaluator, who's the best player on that Palmetto team? How many of those five guys that we just mentioned are, are NFL type prospects in your mind and you know for your money who, who would be the guy you'd, you'd bust out the checkbook for to sign right now yeah I don't know if I'd use those exact words that you just <laughs> used, but um you know I offensive and defensive linemen are what we ball games I know they're not the sexiest uh players for college recruiters but you look at Leonard Taylor and Savion you know Miami's already got one committed the other guy Leonard is just he's a big athletic long physical uses his hands well and he's a difference maker on that defensive line he could get to the quarterback and his quickness off the ball and his strength he's able to do so much I, I remember going to the UF camp uh, last year and you, they were working with him individually and, and just you could tell they were in love with the kid at University of Florida he's an SEC looking type of player and these are the guys that Miami has to start landing to win they're going to get the skill players I mean you've seen last year Miami Miami landed the two best running backs probably in the state of Florida. And this year, here they go. They landed probably one of the top guys again. And they're on, you know, Armani Daniels. So they may get the top two running backs back-to-back years. But for them to win, they've got to get those guys up front. And Leonard Taylor and Savion are two big-time players for them. If they could pull Leonard, uh, it'd be it, it really would, st- you know, hey, we're back as the University of Miami. But as far as the best player on that team, I think he's the most underrated player, even though he's ranked five stars on some of the networks, is the Marshall uh, kid. He He's really special. He's Jerry Judy type special that he's a difference maker. You go watch him play every time uh, at, at Palmetto. He, last year, I remember uh, in the playoff game, they put him at receiver. They threw the ball up, and he made a crazy one-handed catch. No, Not too many guys could do that. And then you flip him over to the defensive side of the ball, and he shuts his guy down. He's got great size. He's got the speed, the athleticism to really shut down half the field and make you uh, – that helps out defensive coordinators when you have a guy that could do that. Yeah, Jason Marshall, 6'2", 180. Leonard Taylor, 6'4", 255. That's what they're listed at right now. Obviously, guys that are going to grow into their bodies. They're both the two five-star recruits uh, from Palmetto. The other guys in that class rated a little bit lower. Savion Collins, Florida's been really after him. I think everybody thinks he's going to flip to Florida. I think Florida's trying to go for the clean sweep of all those guys. 
guys. But in the end, I, I think I agree with you. I think the defensive tackle position, losing Jason Marshall sh- uh, sucks. Having him go to an Alabama or a Georgia or some other SEC school, those are the kind of kids you want to keep home because Miami hasn't had the success landing those five-star, the few five-stars that they've had in their own backyard of late. But if you can get Leonard Taylor, he is a five-star and he's a legit five-star. I saw him at the Under Armour camp up in North Broward in March right before COVID sort of knocked everything down. And he was by far the most impressive lineman there. Um, I think my, if you if you trade a Savion Collins and you get a Leonard Taylor, you upgrade there, right? I mean, he, Leonard Taylor's better than Savion Collins. Different type of players. I mean, one can play either or. You know, it, the one thing about Leonard, he could play either scheme, a 3-4 outside end. You can move him inside in a 4-3. He's more versatile. Savion's a run-stuffing kid. Uh, he's going to take – you know, he's a guy that's going to command a double team every once in a while. But you take Leonard Taylor, his versatility and what he could do on the defensive line – like I said, on a on a you have a four three defense and you have a third and fifteen, you could slide him inside and he's going to give you a pass rush from the inside. So you get you get a defense, you have a a, a Gregory Rousseau, a a kid like the Roche kid, and now you add a Leonard Taylor. It's going to be hard to stop those guys up front, especially with the way that te- you know all these teams are going spread offenses and you want to put pressure on the defense on the offense. Leonard Taylor is that guy that could do it outside or inside. We're going to sort of shift back and forth between guys that Miami is still pursuing um, and then the guys that they have committed. So I'm going to take you back and forth. I I know you may want things in a neater, nicer order if you're listening to this, but but I'm kind of a messy guy. Charles and I, we've been at home for three months. We don't really care about your your, your theme. We're going to bounce back and forth here. Uh, Charles, the highest rated recruit among the commitments that they've got is Romello Brinson. He's a four-star receiver out of Miami Northwestern. Huge get for them, in my opinion, because they obviously lost out on the other kid, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks, who has now transferred from Booker T. Washington to IMG Academy. He's going to be going to Alabama. In your opinion, I mean, receiver's kind of an important position, especially when you go to the spread offense that Miami's going to be running, especially having explosive guys that can dominate and, and get open and make plays with the ball. When you evaluate Romello Brinson from Miami Northwestern, what do you see? Yeah, They've had a long line of very good receivers coming out. We've seen them since I've been talking to you all the way from, uh, they've had Al Darius Johnson, they've had Amari Cooper, they've had all these guys. Uh, Not all of them have been successful in college. I don't think that's because of talent. I think a lot of that's off the field issues, but Romello fits into that group. He's probably not um, as high. He, he's not as highly rated as like Jacory Brooks, who left Booker T and is now at IMG. But I see him in that second tier of receivers this year. He could be a very good number two receiver, eventually become a number one. But at worst case, he's a very good number two receiver at the University of Miami. And, and in their offense, there's really not a one, two, three, or four. It, that offense that they that they're going to be in, they they basically expect the quarterback to find the open receiver and that's it throwing the football yeah and, and one thing i want people to to appreciate with you is you don't just see these guys at the high school level you get invited to these college practices all the time so yep. you get the behind the scenes look i don't get to watch practice but you do when you go down there and you never thought that right you yeah know? man that's well that's the cool part with brinson is there a comparison in your mind does he remind you of any other receivers that have played college ball or gone on to the nfl and does he have that nfl upside in your mind 6 180 does he have that potential 
potential to get there. No, he definitely has that potential. It's going to come down to, you know, his work ethic. And, you know, once you get to University of Miami or any of these colleges, all the guys they recruit are very good or they wouldn't be there. It's It, it, it then comes down to, you know, like Michael Irvin wasn't the, the biggest or fastest receiver that ever went to Miami. But re- one of the reasons he was one of the best is his work ethic. The guy strive to be great. And that's what happens. We've seen it without Darius Johnson. We've seen it with Tommy Streeter. There's been so many of these guys that have had the talent to play at that next level, but they haven't put the work in. So a lot of that, you know, I've kind of look at guys a little different now. A lot of times when I'm at practice, I want to see uh, a lot of the evaluations I'll do is how they respond to coaching. How does that kid respond when they're losing a game? Is that kid a win? Like, is he demanding that football when they're losing the game? Everybody does well when they're winning. How do they react with adversity? Uh, so a lot of these guys, that's the biggest problem. They're so used to winning that when they get to that next level and they get a little adversity, a lot of them fold. And that's that's what you got to find out before you recruit these guys to uh, University of Miami or any of these big-time programs. Jacoby George, he's another receiver committed, kid out of Plantation, who, like Brinson, was committed to Miami's underclassmen, decommitted, and now is recommitted to the program. 5'11", 161 out of Plantation, four-star receiver, number 28 nationally, according to 247 uh, Sports. Um Look, we've seen these 5'11 slot receivers, possession type receivers before. What do you what do you like about Jacoby George and you know, what, what do you think his what he projects as at the next level? He, he's going to be a slot receiver. Guys are now slotted uh, or before receivers could play inside or out in college. You've seen in the NFL draft now, you when the guys are commenting on these receivers, oh this guy's a slot receiver, this guy's a outside a Y, a Z, they, they all get tagged, these guys. Now, Jacoby's an inside receiver. He's going to be a slot guy. I like him a lot. He runs very good routes. He has good ball skills. What I look for is in receivers is one is, you know, their ability to high point the football. Are they a body catcher? He doesn't body catch. He goes up, he high points the football, brings it in. Um, he has a very good catch radius. He does the things that you want him to do. And he's got good hands and he's got very good bursts and the ability to move around on the football field. Um, and he's one of those guys. I like guys too, that are athletic like that, that, you know, he may be one of those guys you flip over and eventually maybe even becomes a corner. He's versatile enough to play on either side of the football. And then of course, the third guy that they're targeting uh, as a receiver who, who said he's going to commit soon to a program is Brashard Smith, the former uh, Gators commitment. He's a three-star kid, five, eight and a half, one ninety. Now he's a kid that's kind of a tweener in my eyes. He played obviously uh, he's played quarterback and, and running back for, for Palmetto. Is that right? He plays everywhere. He plays, they ha- they play him at wide receiver. He'll run. He's a the guy they run on jet sweeps. They'll put him in the backfield. He'll run wildcat. I'm really a big fan of Brashard. You know, he, when you go to a Miami Palmetto football game last year, I went to probably three or four of them. I think back to back games, he had kickoff returns for touchdowns. He's an explosive player. You want the ball in his hands. He's very elusive. He's, he's probably the most underrated player on their team. Now he doesn't have the most upside, but as far as being a great football player, he's a great high school football player. How that translate is his game tapped out at the next level because he's not the biggest, he's not the fastest. But if you watch pure football players on that Miami Palmetto football team, who makes the most plays? Who's the most involved in that offense? Who do they go to when they need a big play? Uh, you saw last year when they got behind even South Dade in the playoffs, they went after him over and over and over. And that's that. the reason is he's such a great high school football player. 
the question will be, you know, how does that sort of convert and is his body big enough for that pounding at the college level? But we've seen guys five, eight and a half, five, nine, have success at the college level too. So especially in these spread offenses where everybody's not on top of one another, you can find a way to, to, to make him effective. It's all about the OC and how they utilize those guys. You look at you look at how even in the NFL, how guys like Tyreek Hill, he's he was a running back in high school. He was a running back in college and, and how they get him involved in their offense. I think as an offensive coordinator, when you have a guy that can both run and catch and do so much, it's your job to find, put that guy. If you put Brashard Smith on a linebacker, you are going to win that battle every time. And that's the thing is, as an offensive coordinator, how do I get him in a one-on-one situation where I know I'm going to win 90% of the time? And that's the whole thing is they have that with Rhett Lashley. I think he's one of those guys that he'll utilize somebody like Brashard very well and move him around. You don't just stick him at running back and say, hey, we're going to hand the ball to this guy 20 times a game. You want to get him the ball 10 times at running back. You want to get him five t- times on jet sweeps. You want to get him five or six catches. And by the time you look at his numbers at the end of the game, he has 180 to 200 yards of utility yards, and, and all of a sudden he lights up the stat sheet across the board. Those are the guys essentially who are going to be the three receivers in this class if they get Brashard Smith. I don't think they're going to go for more than that. <clears throat> They've got basically three upperclassmen in Mark Pope, D. Wiggins, and then Mike Harley, who's the one senior. The other two guys are juniors. So, uh, and they've got the four freshmen that they just signed, um, as well as the uh, the Jeremiah Payton kid from the year earlier in the cycle. So they've got five. They got one redshirt freshman, and then the four true freshman when you went and you watched practice obviously i know nobody was wearing pads this wasn't a very intense tackling everybody getting knocked out physical practice in the spring but who stood out to you among the receivers among maybe some of those younger receivers or maybe the guys that they have now because they need somebody to sort of step up and be the guy yeah i thought you know i everybody's been waiting for mark pope and i thought he was doing well this spring you know i only saw like one or two practices uh, they've got talent at that position it's a consistency the one thing i didn't see with mark pope and Harley and these guys when I went to practice last year was a lack of consistency. They'd make one great play and then a simple five-yard hitch route or something, they would drop the ball. Or little things that you would see where they would do a drill and they wouldn't run back to their group, they'd walk back to their group. Or it's just, like I said, guys that want to be great, they practice, they practice, and they take that to the, the to the uh, uh, Saturdays. They play to that same way. They play hard, they practice hard, they get after it. These guys all have talent that University of Miami has. They have a very good young group of receivers, but it's going to be who wants it in that group. I mean, they've got guys, they have to prove them. Themselves. These guys haven't done it consistently, and that's been their biggest issue at that position. It hasn't been talent. So obviously Miami's not just recruiting receivers. The tight end position's been so important for them, Fishbine. You look at uh, this kid, Elijah Arroyo, from Frisco, Texas, uh, Independence High School, 6'4", 210. He's a four-star kid. Uh, they've actually got two tight ends in this class. Uh, with Brevin Jordan and and Will Mallory and those guys, you know, they're juniors now. You never know what can happen. So you have to constantly restock the shelves at that position. Nobody's turned out tight ends quite like Miami has. Maybe Iowa, you could make that argument of late in terms of first round picks and and talented guys. But uh, they've got two tight ends in this class. Arroyo's the best one. Um, what are your thoughts on him and Khalil Brantley? I guess first on Arroyo, what you were able to watch on film, and then Brantley, what you've been able to see in person. Yeah, the one thing that stands out about a Roy on film and, and t- tight ends are being used a lot different than they used to. They line them out uh, outside as a wide receiver, and that's a major mismatch when you see this big kid running down the middle of the field and these small little linebackers are chasing him. He's very impressive. Uh, you look at his 
body control. He can catch the ball over either shoulder. The ball doesn't have to be perfectly thrown to him. A lot of guys, uh, the quarterback has to throw it up the field, and they have to they could catch it, and sometimes they slow down. He has such great body control that when he catches it, it doesn't matter nowhere, no matter where he is. His momentum's taking him forward, and he could get into his you know he could keep running after the catch. I think he's a very explosive player. Um, this is a guy that's going to cause a lot of problems for defensive coordinators. He opens up the middle of the field. And tight ends, if you have a really good one, it's almost impossible for a defense to cover him. 6'4", 210. Does he remind you of anybody you've seen before on film at that position? I mean, there's other guys you said line up at the receiver slot now and, they, and they're just mismatches. Does he – is this body type – does he remind you at all? I mean, similar to what Miami's had with the Kellen Winslow types, you know, the guys that – uh, you know, Greg Olson, those type of guys that could come in, they're real athletic. Uh, and, and like I said, he runs real good routes, has phenomenal hands. And we were talking about it before, about high-pointing the football. You you watch his highlight film. Now, it's a highlight film, but every single pass that he catches, he has his hands extended. You see him catch the ball at the highest point. And when he goes up for it, he's coming down with it. Nobody's going to get the ball from him. And he looks like he has very strong hands. Like when the ball hits his hands, some guys don't have natural pass catching skills. He seems like a very natural pass catcher. Khalil Brantley is 6'2", 205, Miami Northwestern. He's ranked 722 overall uh, as far as a recruit, 35th best at the position. Khalil's been really important for Stephen Fields, uh, the, the Miami's tight ends coach, as far as recruiting other guys at Northwestern. He seems like one of those really good kids, a really good teammate. He may not have the elite skills that a guy like Arroyo does, but it seems like there's value in it where you have a guy like him who puts teammates first and is a good teammate guy. Do you see value in that at all when it comes to recruiting? Or are you simply a talent guy? Like I need to see talent out of guys. Uh, I mean, some guys, sometimes you got to buy the cow to get the milk. So right. you know, you, 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 when you go to a school like Miami Northwestern, sometimes you're going to take a kid that maybe is a, a really good team player, but you know that that guy is attracting those other players on the team that, you know, you may want a little more. What I like about him, he's been very productive in his high school career, whether he – I believe he was at, like, Doral Academy originally, uh, then transferred over to, um, you know, over to Miami Northwestern. He's he's similar, more of a tight end, H-back, like a Chris Herndon type, than a traditional Shockey or the Royal kid or, you know, what they have there now with Mallory. Um, even Brevin Jordan – Jordan's not the tallest, but he's a little more athletic – but I think he can be a very productive player. He doesn't have to, have, you know, put up, you know, 60, 60 catch seasons. This is a guy that probably catch 20, 25 passes a year. You get into the red zone. You can utilize him out of the backfield almost as an H-back or a fullback. I know those guys have become extinct, but Khalil's one of those guys that you can move around and utilize him on the football field. Um when you uh, look at this this class offensively, I mean, it, obviously, you know, you got two tight ends, you got two receivers, you're going to add a third receiver most likely. But really, everybody talks about what's the biggest need at Miami, and they say offensive line, right? They got to keep getting the big guys up front. I know that's important to you as well. Um, they've got three commitments right now: Lawrence Seymour, who's a four-star kid out of Miami Central, six one and a half, two ninety-three who's gotten a lot more attention from SEC schools. Um, and he's basically told me, he told me in March, hey, Miami's going to have to recruit me until the end, and they're going to have to have a good season for me to go there. And then um, you look at the rest of the offensive line guys. They got Michael uh, 
McLaughlin, uh, a 6'7", 255-pound kid, offensive tackle out of Douglas. I know from talking to Garen Justice, he really loves that kid a lot. He really thinks he's going to be a smart, good football player in a couple years. And then Ryan Rodriguez, who to me, he's a three-star kid, uh, 6'3", 280 out of Miami, Columbus, plays left tackle in high school mostly, but he's going to play center in college. I look at Ryan and I think, man, this kid, I went to that Under Armour camp that I told you about. He was impressive, man. Like his footwork, his speed. You know, he could be another one of these Joaquin Gonzalez types in the sense, to me anyway, that he may be very underrated coming out of high school, but he ends up being a good player for you. Those three offensive line guys, what do you like about each of them, and, and what do you sort of project for each of them? I'm, I'm a numbers guy when it comes to offensive line. I think the reason why Miami, you've seen it at FSU, you've seen it at Florida, when they struggle on the offensive line, it's because they've gotten over-picky, over-evaluated. Miami's gotten – Finally, I think out of the woods, you know, getting Isaiah Walker to come back in the fold. Um, they signed Jalen Rivers. Now you could take a Navon Donaldson. They're going to they're gonna sit there and redshirt him so they get him for another year. They're finally starting to put the pieces. They got the, you know, the transfer from uh, Houston. So that, that allows them to take both Jalen and Isaiah and probably put them on the bench for a year, let them redshirt, get bigger and stronger, not get physically and mentally beat up for a year. It's very difficult for freshmen to play uh, on the offensive line. You see it very rare, and those are the really elite guys. But you don't want a guy that really – a lot of these guys are good players, but they become great because they get that they get that training. They're able to uh, develop both physically and mentally. And it's a big step up when you go from college, from high school to college. I really like these guys. I'm a big Lawrence Seymour uh, fan. If you watch him, if he was 6'4", 6'5", you're probably looking at a top five offensive lineman in the country. The only thing holding him back um, is his size. He reminds me very similar to a guy that played at Florida State, Rodney Hudson, who originally came in uh, to Florida State as a tackle, even though he was like 6'2", 6'3". They moved him to center. Uh, He could play guard, center, tackle, and be an All-American at any one of those positions. McLaughlin's uh, (coughs) a typical – type of kid Miami has signed in the past. Uh, these type of guys that are, they're raw, but the, the ability is there. He's like a six six, long athletic, looks more like a basketball player right now. He's a guy that if he takes a red shirt, you put on that weight. Um, he's from the Midwest. You can see he's got, he's got a good lower body as far as that you know that he'll be able to put on the weight and it's not he's not going to have problems. But all three of these guys are very good players. Like you said, Ryan R- Rodriguez – He's a guy that goes to a school, and you've seen this so many times. He's, Miami's taken a lot of these guys, but he comes from a winning program. He's been well coached. You know he doesn't have a lot of bad habits. So when he goes to Miami, maybe he doesn't have as much upside as some of these other guys, but his floor isn't that bad. You know, like you know that this guy's well coached enough that you can play him, and he's not going to hurt you out there. And they, he's an upgrade over what they've had the last past couple of years, especially at seven. Before Miami hired Garen Justice, um, you knew him at FAU, right? I mean, you, you've seen him. Go- I, I've known Garen Justice. He was a graduate assistant at Florida State. Coach Trickett uh, had coached him at West Virginia. Uh, we became very good friends. Um, he co- he was a GA at Florida State. Even back then, you knew he'd be a good coach. He went on to become a head coach at like a Division two or a Division three school in West yeah. Virginia. They went undefeated. Um, he got kind of unlucky. He went down to FAU got a job with Rich Rod at Arizona. And I think like two weeks after he got hired from Rich Rodriguez, he got fired. And Jaron, you know, 
Garen got out of the business uh, for probably a couple months, and then he got hired on at UNLV. Um, and I, I think it's probably one of the best offensive line coaches Miami's hired since early on with, um, you know, Arkeo. He's I think he understands these kids. He's not a yeller and a screamer, but he's one of those guys that could just look at a player and they know he's serious. Like, hey, listen, man, I better buckle down and get serious here. He's gonna he he he's gonna give you that tough love, but he's a great technician. I think he's simplifying it. These guys looked a lot better this spring than I've seen in a long time. Very encouraging sign. All right, let's flip over to the defensive side. We talked about D tackle earlier and what Miami's doing there, but I didn't ask you about this kid, Alan Hay, out of Chaminade, Madonna Prep. He's 6'1", 296. He's a three-star kid, 48th best at his position, according to 247 Sports. What do you think of Alan Hay as a player? Is he a reach here for Miami, or is he a guy that you think, again, another good South Florida player on a state championship-winning team at Chaminade? Yeah, when it comes to O line and D line, I'm I'm like take as many as want to come. These guys are such there's so few quality defense alignment, and so many of these guys you've seen it so many times over the years. This guy may never start at Miami, but he may make a key sack in a big game when you least expect it. He's going to provide you depth. He's on once again. He's on a championship caliber team that's won multiple championships at the high school level. He knows what it's it's like to be part of a winning program. Those guys you can never have enough of. I think at worst case scenario is a very productive backup, and you could plug them in every once in a while as a starter. I don't have a problem taking players like Alan Hay. Right now Miami doesn't have a defensive end in its class, but obviously you look at the team right now with Gregory Rousseau and, and Quincy Roche, two guys that could be the first – you know, among the first five defensive players taken in the next draft, and you say, man, there's going to be a defensive end out there who's saying, I got to go to Miami and follow in these guys' footsteps. One guy who I think everybody sort of expects is a shoe-in to become part of the class is Jabari Ishmael out of Miami, Columbus, 6'5", 210. Everybody knows his father has worked on the staff there in the training department for a long time. But as far as his skills and his ability, Fish, what do you, what do you like about him? And what do you sort of project him as at the next level? He's, a, he's another four-star kid who's 14th best weak side defensive end, according to 247. If you want to know how good this kid is, go back to uh, last year Columbus won. Two years ago they played against Mandarin in the state finals. He was very active. He was in the backfield a lot. Once he got hurt, Columbus's defense was never the same. Uh, you could never go wrong with these kids that uh, come from a football family. He's very – the one thing is not only is he a very good football player, he's a great kid off the field. Uh, he's raw, but he's – you've seen these guys, and I don't want to compare him to Jason Pierre-Paul, but you've seen so many of these guys come from South Florida that are long and athletic, and they just need to get in a college weight program. Gregory Rousseau, the first time I saw him, he was at Monarch. He was a six foot five, 200-pound wide receiver. Uh, and then I remember they moved him to defensive end, you know, he played a lot of receiver going into his senior year of high school. And, you know, you look at him and the guy's going to be a top first round pick. So you, a lot of these guys don't know what it's like to work out and eat three and four meals a day and be in a college nutrition program where they're eating real food that's going to help them. Ishmael's one of those guys, he may look real thin right now, but you put him at University of Miami, you, he's going to look like Greg Rousseau in two years where he's 250, 260 pounds and you won't recognize him. He's a difference maker. He could get up the field. He could rush that passer. Um, you, you look at Rousseau, or you look even like a Jason Taylor type, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, one of these long athletic rush ends. You can never have enough of these guys. 
if they have the work ethic and we're willing to put everything into it when they off the field, these guys have the upside of being first-round picks down the road. Yeah, I, I think uh, Miami's – look, there's some really good defensive ends in the 2022 class. I didn't bring you on to talk about all those guys, but the 2022 class locally is really, really good. So I think even if Miami doesn't hit a home run with a defensive end position this year, although we do think they're going to probably end up getting um, this kid out of Columbus, um, I, I think, you know, the next cycle is just as loaded. And you know those 22, 2022 kids, right? I mean, there's some good ones. No, there's, no, there's no question, but you, like I said, you look, Rousseau – was most people thought this kid was a throw-in two years right, ago. So right. it's there's a lot of these guys down here that are long, athletic. They they can run, and they just aren't. They haven't been developed and coached up. I, Miami's always had good de- defensive ends. They find guys. I don't think it's going to be any different. What once they have two guys going the first round, there's going to be somebody that comes in after signing day uh, the following year. You know following year there's going to be guys going hey wait a second Miami just put two guys in the top 15 of the draft you know it's going to help them that those guys go so high in the draft they'll find guys I'm, I'm not worried or concerned about that the linebacker position is the one area where I'm somewhat concerned when I look at Miami obviously replacing Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pinckney two guys that were four-year starters for them that's never an easy position to sort of replace but they do have Zach McLeod, who redshirted, came back for his fifth year. He's definitely going to be one starter. And then I personally think it's either going to be Sam Brooks or Avery Huff who end up filling those shoes uh, as the other starter. Obviously, Miami employs the striker position uh, as sort of the third linebacker spot. But, um, you know, as far as the recruiting is concerned in the 2021 class, they've got three guys committed in this class. None of them are four stars. They're all three-star guys, uh, which is a little surprising. I would have thought, you know, the success that Shaq Quarterman and Michael Pickney had that they, Miami would have been able to, to, to get a bigger name kid. But I'm curious to know what you see out of Tyler Johnson, who, of course, is Jaquan Johnson's younger brother. He's now a Killian, 6'2", 200. You got Ja'Cory Hammett out of Miami Northwestern, 6'3", 205. And then the more interesting one, a guy who's rated pretty low here, Deshaun Troutman uh, out of Orlando Edgewater, 6'1", 205, another three-star kid uh, who's ranked 42nd best at his position. Uh, tell me about each of those three guys, what you've seen of them, and what you like about each of them. I mean, personally, I like Troutman the most. I, I know he may be the lowest rank, but you watch his film. A lot of linebackers these days, uh, they run around, ta- uh, you know, they don't run downhill. They run around blocks. You watch him. He's very aggressive. He plays like guys, uh, whether it was Denzel Perriman coming out of high school or somebody even like a um, uh, the other uh, – Man, I can't think the guy, Jonathan Vilmo, these guys that are 5'11. But man, they, you watch his film. When he closes and the explosiveness that he has in that short area burst of running through somebody is very impressive. I, and he led a team. Here's another team, Orlando Edgewater. They had St. Thomas on the ropes last year, and it's these guys, uh, these type of players. Deshaun stood out on film to me. I, I think he may be or end up the best of this group. The biggest thing, Manny, I, I just think linebacker position, I hate to say it, it's almost – it hasn't gone the way of a fullback. Uh, but linebackers these days, a lot of these guys don't play a traditional linebacker spot anymore in high school. You'll either see a guy coming off the edge as a defensive end. You'll see these guys lining up in the slot. So a lot of them are more like oversized safeties or defensive backs than traditional linebackers. And that's what makes this position, I think, almost – 
one of the harder positions now to evaluate. I talk to college coaches about this all the time. You just don't see those guys anymore. Um, the days of the Michael Barrows and, and the Marvin Jones, those days are over. Those guys, you don't see them on film anymore because these guys want to just use their speed and athleticism to make plays. And they're not just shooting gaps and blowing guys up. Um, the one guy in this group that does that is Deshaun. Uh, Tyler is kind of one of those guys that you could play off the edge. Maybe he gives you some speed rush. Hammett's probably more – I think he may move inside or he may even put his hand on the ground. But um, as far as, you know, great linebackers, a lot of them just don't exist anymore. You take a guy like uh, James Williams, who's the top safety, he may end up a linebacker at defensive end. A lot of those great ones may come – from converted safeties now, uh, just because the way the game's played, te teams are spreading guys out. You don't really want a traditional linebacker on the field anymore when these teams are going four and five wide, you know, so. Right, yeah, that's, which is why the striker position is so important at Miami because those guys can, can get into coverage and as well, you know, play decent in the run game. Um, but those are the three linebackers. I don't think they're going to be adding any more linebackers to the class, but those are the three that they've got. Now, you brought up James Williams uh, at the safety position. He recently said that Miami and Georgia were his final two schools. I don't know how much of that is uh, James Williams really thinking Miami's in his final two or just wanting sort of the attention, being a local guy. Hey, everybody, everybody knows that I might pick Miami, so they're going to love me a lot. I don't know. Um, but he is a special and unique talent, 6'5", 218. Miami obviously would love to get him. I think they're hoping to pull sort of an Avante Williams type surprise getting him late because everybody thinks he's going to Georgia. I do as well. But when you look at James Williams, and I had this conversation with Kelvin Harris, who of course played for the Hurricanes, won three national championships, and then uh, played in the NFL with the Rams and a couple of other teams. He tells me James Williams ought to just move to the defensive end position now. There's more money in that. When you look at James Williams, is he a guy that you think has to eventually move to defensive end and become a, just a freakish pass rusher, or can he really still play in coverage in your mind? He, he could play in coverage, but so could Javon Kirst. <laughs> you know, so yeah. Javon was a safety in high school, and, and the thing is, is James is a big kid. Like, he looks big. He looks bigger than 218 pounds. And once he gets to college, just a kid that has, hasn't had the easiest life, you know, he's been – he's lived with multiple, uh, you know, whether it's godparents or this parent or uncles or aunts or – I mean, so once he gets a stable situation and now you put him in there and he's eating, you know, college food, they're, they're putting him through their nutritional program and he's lifting weights, it's going to be hard for him to stay under 250 pounds. He's a big frame kid. He's thick. You look at him. He, he has – his body looks like a player that's going to add weight once he goes to college. So it's hard – it's going to be hard for him to stay in shape to play safety. Now, I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's going to be tougher. He could he could probably play kind of like the Isaiah Simmons kid um, that came out of Clemson last year where you can play him at linebacker, you can play him on the edge, you can play him in coverage in slot situations, in certain situations – He's that versatile. He's a great. He's a great prospect. Um, as far as just since I've been doing this, the most talented kid since Willie. Uh, as really? far, wow. yeah. I mean, he's that talented. Now it's up to him. You know, we saw with Willie, he had all the talent in the world, and he didn't get it done on the field. James has had. Uh, if he could just get focused, 
and and play to his potential, you're looking at a top five pick in the NFL draft. Yeah, and I, and I know the Hurricanes coaches, you know, they've been recruiting him through this entire process. They keep pushing for him. He said they're in their final two. We'll have to see. But without question, I think if Miami has a tremendous season, goes 11-1 and one or, or, you know, gets to the ACC title game and gives Clemson a hell of a fighter, God knows, even surprises them, that's probably how they land a kid like that, like like a Leonard Taylor and some of these elite you, five-star you've, kids. You've seen it with so many kids from down here. He's one of those kids that – keeps Miami in there. And, right. and when, you, when you're in there, there's something in the back of his head that's keeping him co- to commit to Georgia. Like, he likes Miami genuinely. And I, I just think it's going to be very hard once signing day comes for, for him to turn them down if they have a good season. I, it's just he, – he he's like trying to find a reason not to go to UM. Right. More than a reason to go. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's trying to convince himself – I like this school, but why shouldn't I go? And and there's a reason why they're in it. You know, they remember he had committed to them, I think about a year and a half ago, and then decommitted and started playing all these games with the whole recruiting thing. But look, he's down to two teams. He's serious about recruiting, and you know, this is the type of player that my when when Butch Davis took over, these were the guys that got Miami back to that level that they're used to. Uh, playing at. He's that important. I think you land a kid like this, it, it opens the doors to other guys like, hey, it's cool to go back to Miami, you know? Um, Miami actually, of the 15 DBs that they have on the roster right now, 11 are four stars or better. So the talent is there. They've gotten top of the line kids. It's do they take that next step? Do they grow and mature? I know Coach Rumpf does a good job with the cornerbacks. Coach Banda handles the safeties. Um, and, and it's not, you know, Manny Diaz told me, I mean, these guys come in, they teach them all bump and run coverage, and then they kind of evaluate them and figure out, okay, who's going to help us here, who can really help us there. But, um, you know, he's the kind of kid who I think comes into a program and from day one you try to figure out a way to, uh, to get him on the field to help you. Um, another guy who is very much considering the Hurricanes and is going to announce his decision soon is Cameron Kitchens, uh, the safety out of Miami Northwestern, 5'11", 201, four stars, uh, rated the 19th best safety in the country, 298 overall as a recruit. Um, you've got a chance to see Kid Kinchins. He's more of a ball hawk, right? He's more of a guy who just knows how to where the ball is at all times. Yeah, more like a Brandon Merriweather type. You know, he could come up and hit you, but he does a lot of things. He's another guy. Well, Miami's done a very good job of the last couple of years, and many of those guys is finding guys that are versatile, that aren't just – hey, this guy's a safety, this guy, that's all he can play. So if he doesn't work out there, they can't move him around. Um, you look at whether it's Blades or Ivy or any of these guys that are starting for them now or the last couple of years, you can move them around. You can p- play them on the outside. You can play them at slot corner. You can play them at the – I forgot the position you said Miami has a name Striker. for. Striker. Striker. So they have all these different positions, and these guys are interchangeable. And they've done a very good job of getting very good, long, athletic kids to that they can move around. And Kitchen's another one of those guys. I don't think he's just strictly a safety. You can move him over the slot and put him in a one-on-one situation. He's going to be able to handle himself. Uh, he's a very confident kid. He's got a lot of – I remember I met him a couple of years ago at one of these camps, and he's like, you know, I'm one of the top defensive backs down here. He told me that. Like, I didn't have to tell him that. So you've got to like that confidence in a player like that. Uh, they're, they're getting these guys. I, I remember a couple of years ago they signed to Corey Couch, and everybody's like, ah, yeah. I'm like, listen, this is a guy I, re- I really liked. He was long, athletic, 
Um, you saw it at Chaminade, and now he's one of their up-and-coming top players, I think, uh, in their secondary. Um, two guys that they do have commitments from right now, obviously James Williams and, and uh, Kitchens are guys that they're trying to get as commitments, but two guys that they do have committed to play in the secondary, Tim Burns Jr. out of Miami Northwestern, 5'10", 145 pounds, uh, a three-star kid, 57th best at his position, according to 247 Sports. And then another one is Malik Curtis out of Fort Myers, uh, Bishop Vero. He's 5'11", 160, another three-star kid who I think they want him to be a cornerback, although other people kind of feel maybe he's more of a receiver. Um, obviously, not elite guys coming out of high school in terms of what they're being rated, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on Burns Jr. and Curtis and what you see them as. What's crazy about Malik, I got to watch Bishop Verreau last year in the playoffs against Chaminade. Um, I don't know if it was a playoff game or a regular. I, I just went over there to uh, film the game for Chaminade, and Malik Curtis was a difference maker. I, he's another guy. Miami signed a kid out of that area a long time ago, Philip Buchanan. That was an underrated, uh, similar, very similar type of player, very explosive on offense. He is very good with the ball in his hand, but I do think he's a corner at the next level. And he's one of those guys that I think he's going to outlive his ranking. I think he's one of those guys that's going to go to UM and people are going to say, how did they find this kid? But if you go to one of his games like I did last year, he had a different level speed. And, and when you're able to turn around and, and change direction and you have that type of speed that you could put him on any receiver on any team, you see these teams, whether it's Oklahoma or LSU, that have these big, long, fast, athletic guys. You could take a guy like Malik and say, hey, Put him over there. Hey, cover this guy. And hes they're not going to get by him. I mean, he has that much speed. Tim Burns is just your typical South Florida kid, you know, very good uh, defensive back. You can move him around, confident. Um, not great upside, but he can play. Uh, he's kind of similar to the guy they just had that went to the NFL uh, from Columbus, um, the corner. Trajan Bandy. Yeah, kind of like that. Not as physical body-wise. But that type of player, where you could play him at slot, they move him outside too. But he's not—he's—he's he's a technician type kid. He's very, his technique's very good. He's—he's he's a well-coached player. He's—he's he's also been starting since his freshman year of high school, so he's had a lot of experience um, at the high school level. Miami's in on a couple of other guys uh, in state that they are, you know, trying to get on campus and recruit. They still have a quarterback position that they got to resolve. Um, but when, when you look at some of these other targets, and I want to throw some of these names at you just to get your thoughts, um, Terion Arnold out of Tallahassee, uh, John Paul Catholic, the safety, 6'2", 187, four-star kid. Um, I think before COVID-19, he was going to come down here during the spring to come watch a practice. I know the Miami coaches like him a lot. He's another safety that, they, that, that they're looking at. Uh, you Keith Brown, four-star kid, 5'10", 174 out of Miami Central. He's a kid that I don't know if you put him on offense, you put him on defense, but I know you want him, right? <laughs> um, Chase Smith, another, another athlete, 6'3", 190, four-star out of, out of uh, Bayside, Palm Bay. Um, you know, another athlete that I think is on their radar. Um, and then Amari Daniels, we mentioned earlier in the, in the show, 5'8", 194, uh, running back out of Miami Central. Um, those four guys that are sort of on the Miami radar may or may not end up becoming commits. Um, we can, and I'll remind you of their names again, if you forget, but, uh, let's start with Arnold. What, what do you like about that kid? And do you see him fitting in at Miami or is that kind of probably not going to happen? No, I mean, Terry and Arnold is one of the best athletes in the state. One of the better football players. He's a top 10 player in the state. He's that good. Um, just, you know, 
he he's been on the radar for a couple of years now. Everybody wants him. I mean, you're talking the entire SEC, everybody in the ACC, and it's because he's a difference maker. If you turn on his film and his ability to close, it's you you think the film sped up because of his ability to just close on somebody and he explodes through whatever he hits. Um, he does. He he's another guy that. Um, you know, off the field, he needs to take care of a few things. Uh, but as far as athletically and what you want, he, he's a prospect that you're probably going to see on Sundays. Uh, and he's probably one of the top 10 players in the state. What about you, Keith Brown, out of, out of Miami Central? Yeah, I mean, you know, Keith Brown, like, you know, first time I saw him was uh, Coach Sims had turned on his film and they were playing the first play of his highlight film. They were on the one-yard line. He went 99 yards. And he was pulling away from guys. And, and he's a difference maker on the offense. I think, you know, he plays defense, but he plays defense. He plays offense at a different level speed. It seems like on defense, as talented as he is, he's a little more hesitant. I think he's just a natural guy on offense you want to get the ball to. I don't think he has a, a natural position. You could play him kind of – we talked about Brashard. He's kind of similar in that you could play him a receiver, running back. He's going to be a special teams ace. I think you're going to put him on punt and kick returns, and he's going to be a guy that's going to change games in the special teams. And just from that point of view, um, he's worth the scholarship because if he returns a kick in a game or a punt, that's the difference in Miami You know, winning an extra two games, game here or there. So I, I've been a big fan of Yokiath for a couple of years. Um, he has a chance to be a very, very good football player at the college level. And then I don't know if you've had a chance to see Chase Smith, um, the other four-star kid out of Bayside. Um, but what what are your thoughts on him, if you have any? Yeah, I mean, he's a very good player. He can play on either side of the ball. Um, he's an athlete. And we talked about that before. I like guys that you can basically – you know, I, I know I talked to Coach Davis about this uh, at one of his camps two years ago, and he's had a lot of success. He really likes taking running backs and converting them to linebacker. And that's the thing with you look at the, the kid from Edgewater, he plays running back and you can tell he knows before the snap of the ball, what offenses are going to do because he's played on that side of the ball. Chase is one of those guys that's versatile enough. He's played on both sides of the ball. So if you put him on defense and he plays outside linebacker, he plays maybe with his hand on the ground, he understands what you're trying to implement on that side of the ball because of knowing both sides. And then we really didn't, we didn't really talk about the running back position with Miami because to me it's kind of an interesting one. Thad Franklin, four-star kid out of Chaminade, 6'0", 225, in Miami's class, decommits for a month, recommits, and now, I mean, he's still keeping sort of the flirtation going with Penn State and Arkansas and a couple of other schools. So I don't think it's a, it's a slam dunk that Miami gets him. And then, of course, Amari Daniels out of Miami Central, uh, 5'8", 194, totally different kind of running back size, body-wise. First, let me get your thoughts on Thad Franklin, what, what you see out of him. The running back position at Miami, I mean, you mentioned it at the top of the of this show. Um, I mean, they're kind of set with Don Chaney Jr. And, and the guys that they've got there on that roster here for the next couple of years. Uh, so it's not a huge priority. Thad Franklin may decide, I want to go somewhere else where I can get on the field earlier. But what, what are your thoughts on him as a runner? Who does he remind you of? He, he looks like a potential NFL back. I mean, he's just big and fast. Uh, last year against Clearwater Central Catholic, I think it was the second or third carry of the game, he got to the edge, and you just don't see big guys run that fast. And that ability is scary when you're on the defensive side of the ball because he'll run you over. He's not 
a saw. He's not a small little scat back. He's a big power back. Looks like a lot of the guys at Alabama and LSU and Auburn roll out there every week. This is a guy that's going to be 225 pounds, and he could break off a 75, 80-yard touchdown. So when you look at his size-speed combo and what he's able to do, he, you know, they don't use him a ton in the passing game, and he's got pretty good hands, so you could even move him out outside and, and let him catch the football. He's a complete back, and, and he's kind of underrated. You know, you, you go to Chaminade games. They don't – you know, last year they relied on him more. Earlier in his career, he'd get 10 carries, and like three of them would go for touchdowns. He'd have 108. He, he does a lot with the carries he gets. He's not one of these guys that needs – you know, 30 carries to be productive for his size. But you looked in the state title game last year. Uh, I think he held the record in the state title for rushing yards and title games for a day. But he ran for like 300 yards last year in the state title game. So he's done it at the highest level. Uh, and he he's one of those guys, I think he commits early and, and people go, oh, they, you kind of forget about him, how good he is because he he broke off his recruiting and, and people start stop paying attention. He's just – one of those guys, I think he's another one. He has a chance to play on Sundays. Amari Daniels, um, you know, he's a little shorter. I think people sort of thought Texas A&M uh, for a while with Jimbo and those guys. Uh, but I, I know Miami remains in the picture for him. He's obviously got Lawrence Seymour in his ear trying to get him to go to Miami. Um, what do you think of Amari Daniels? And he's a different kind of running back from, from what Miami has had. I mean, he's 5'8", 194. Yeah, don't let a size fool you. Uh, the, I went to a practice. They they had they were getting ready uh, for Northwestern like two three years ago two years ago, um, and he was there. And the running backs coach uh, said to the linebacker, "Hey, listen, Amari's coming at you on this play." And the kid was like, "Yeah, whatever." And he turned to Amari. He goes, "I want you to you to f him up, basically." <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, "All right, let's see what happens." Amari bent the kid over and literally destroyed him. And I, I didn't need to see anything more. I already seen what he could do running the football. And you look at the, another guy went to the state title game last year. He's coming in as a – you know, these poor teams are like, man, the, the starting running back for Central is not that good, man. Now they're bringing the back in. We have a chance. And the first carry goes 80 yards for a touchdown. You're like, why the heck is this kid not starting? <laughs> <laughs> you know, three three touchdowns on his three first three carries, and that's how he was all year. Like I, I remember, they played a team out of Orlando or something early in the year, and um, the, they're like, "Oh man, Central's had better backs than this." I go, "Trust me, the running back, the backup's pretty good." And they looked at me and laughed. And I think Amari busted off a sixty-yard touchdown run on that. He's just one of those guys that he's so physical. Yeah, yeah, he's not big, but Devontae Freeman wasn't big either. But just very compact. He's gonna hit you. He's gonna run. He is not afraid of contact. Uh, I saw it that day in practice, and and he's one of those guys that he's another guy. He doesn't need 20 carries to put up 200 yards. He'll do it on six or seven. Uh, you give him, he doesn't need many. You give him 10, he may break a record. You know. So um, I'm a big fan of Mari. Have been since I saw him two years ago. I think he's very underrated. Uh, a lot, like I said, a lot of people they see him as a backup. But remember, people forget Dalvin Cook was a backup in high school as well. So, Fish, you're the best man. You're really good at this, and uh, I appreciate all the time you gave me. And uh, I got to pay you in like chicken wings or something again. Oh man, I'm trying to lose weight, man. What do you? 
You're like my wife, man. You come in with those freaking cookies at 12 o'clock at night and say, hey, I just baked these for you. You know, it's like you know, I'm trying to lose weight. But uh, I just cut about 10 pounds off my neck, so I look all right, man. You're, you're looking a little thinner, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I appreciate you inviting me on and uh, look forward to doing more of these with you. A lot of fun, brother. Good talking to you. Take it easy. All right, so you just heard from Charles Fishbein. I want to thank him for coming on and joining the podcast here at Wide Right. We will be putting out a few more episodes here in the coming weeks ahead before things really start to pick up with practices and so forth. We believe we're going to have some players and coaches available for us on Zoom um, for interviews and whatnot. So we're waiting to see how that sort of progresses. But I'm going to try to provide as much content as I can before things actually start going. So be sure to, to follow me on Twitter at Manny underscore Navarro. Check out the Wide Ride podcast. It's free. And then check out theathletic.com, which also has a free 30-day uh, trial. Uh, subscriptions, I think, are only 4 bucks a month. They're pretty cheap. And you don't just get my coverage for, of the Miami Hurricanes. You get the entire college football team. We have an unbelievable team that covers uh, all of college football, one of the most unique in, in journalism right now. So uh, be sure to check it out if you get a chance. All right, we'll see you next week. Still on the team, but it's JT4 down the seam. Jay Will with a TD. Kickoff team ready to eat. First two, knock them out. Then, uh, it's on.